Hi, everyone. That is the tallest Mario and Luigi I've ever seen, <laughs> right? Pastor Joe, you can move. Um, wow, I can't barely see, but how is everybody today? Good? Man, I'm glad to be here. It is a, it is a joy to be in any fellowship, um, especially one where I can see a lot of faces that I've seen and I haven't seen in a long time and some that I don't know. I'm just grateful to be here. Um, it's a joy for me. Um, I guess I want to actually, let, let's pray. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? I know we've, we've done this a few times, but before we even get started in any type of word, let's pray that the hearts would be willing and open to receive. That's a choice that you have, by the way. Father, we thank you, and we take a moment right now, and we just put our heart um, before you and allow you and ask you to work on us, in us, and through us. Thank you for your day um, that you've made today. Um, we're choosing right now, Lord, to be edified, convicted, corrected, moved by your word. And so we thank you that it is alive and active in us. In the mighty name of Jesus, for all those that agree, please say amen. amen. All right. Um, open up your Bibles today to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I've also been told to say this, that follow along in the U version. I have kind of both here, um, and I'm going to go with, with the, the, the... You would not believe this. Uh, if, you, if you could get up close, my dog, we have a new puppy at my house, literally ate the scripture today, this week. And so my wife, she was so awesome. She scotch taped 30 pages. I've had this Bible for 20 years. And, uh, but my dog literally ate my homework, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, I'm going to still try to use this today and we'll, we'll get going. Um, I've, had, I've had the pleasure and, and, and um, the time over the last few months to get to know your pastor, Pastor Ryan. What an amazing thing that he gets to go away and, and get with his wife, Kristen. And, and he, he was just sharing with me to, to get not necessarily new vision, but solidified in things. Um, he's, he's an awesome man of God. He loves this body. And we really vibe together. We do a lot of laughing together. Uh, we, we tell some stories. Uh, we've been on the golf course together. Um, and so I just want to say this to start off. If you ever really want to honor your pastor, if you really want to bless him, um, it's not just showing up here on Sunday, although that's good. Um, it's not, not being part of Impact, that's great as well. But I, I think just hanging out with Pastor Ryan, um, like I have, um, the best way to honor him is to be a doer of the Word of God, right? To be a doer of the Word of God. Um, I want to show you this out of Luke chapter 11, verse 28. And this is just where I'm starting today, and, and you can follow along. But, but Jesus says this, he, re he replied, blessed rather, say rather, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, that's interesting that he says rather. Why does he say rather? Because before that, um, someone walks up to him, a woman in the crowd, and she says this. A woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave birth to you. So a woman's paying like a compliment to Jesus. Hey, blessed is the mother that gave birth to you. And Jesus goes, time out. No, no, no. Blessed rather. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Right? He kind of puts the stop on all that tradition. He kind of puts the brakes on anything like in the past. He says, present day, you're blessed if you hear the word and obey it. Somebody say amen to that, right? 
It's not what you did yesterday. It's not the rules that you follow. It's blessed when you actively hear the word of God, you apply it and move on it, okay? And so I want to kind of start that out because we're going to go through a lot of scriptures. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, don't be just a hearer of the word, but instead be a doer. I, I left out a part there. It said, don't just be a hearer of the word, watch, deceiving yourselves. Isn't it amazing how Christians can deceive ourselves? But James says, no, 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 just don't be, just to hear, actually be a doer of that. And so as Pastor Ryan's coming back next week, as he's coming with, I imagine, a fresh word, I'll tell you, you will bless him as his congregation, as you unite in the idea of whatever it says in here, that is God's sovereign letter to your heart and for you to move on, Okay. The sermon title today, I think they have a slide for it, or that's part of it, is, is called Perfected in Me. Perfected or Perfected in You. Perfected in Me. And uh, I want to put this first word on the screen, and if you will, and I've, I've thrown a lot at, at, at Tammy back there. So the word perfect, everybody say the word perfect. Oh, come on, say it again, perfect. Come on, one more time, perfect. I love that word. I love Perfect. And those that know me know that about me. Um, yeah, I heard that, right? The, the OCD side of me loves the word perfect, right? Um, perfect to me looks like a cup of coffee outside on a Saturday morning here in Phoenix in October, right? That's perfect to me, right? You just, you're just there and you're looking out, right? That's perfect. Um, perfect to me looks like a clean house on Friday afternoon after a long work of week, work, week, work, work, week. Yeah, there you go and you just don't have to do anything. That's perfect for me. Uh, perfect to me looks uh, like a Devin Booker pull-up jumper from about 12 foot on the elbow, right? That's perfect. That's like, ah, I'm rested there, right? Perfect is the Penang curry just down the street from here at Molly's Taiban. You got to try it. It is beautiful. Some, some I've taken there, and you know what I'm saying. Uh, per I don't even know you, and you said it's good, baby. Let's go, right? <laughs> Perfect is a, is a walk on the beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina with your wife. That's perfect, right? Pastor Ryan, I saw him experience perfect when we played golf on the second hole. Hit this long, towering 310-yard drive over, over the water, then chipped up to about this far and knocked in the putt, and he was just giddy. He's like a little schoolboy. I'm like, oh, he's got, he thinks he's got a long day coming to him is what I thought in my mind. And he thought, I got perfection here, right? Perfect is, is something we aspire to, but the truth is as believers, um, we don't hit very much. In fact, I would say this, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, we don't see perfect that often. In the Bible, we don't even see the word perfect, and so as I'm getting older, by the way, for some of you that know me, I'm having to get glasses. I can't believe this. Wow, I'm getting gray. It's, it's crazy. Just found that out. Um, I, I find myself as I get deeper into the word of God that I kind of find myself less and less perfect. And I want to tell you today that's okay because he and his power is perfected in you. Let me show this, not through my thoughts, but the word of God, okay? And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. And we'll jump around here a bunch today in this. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, 
Therefore, in order to help me from being conceited, becoming conceited. Another version says this, in order for me not to be exalted. The Justin Heggie version would be this, in order for me not to get a big head. Or in order for me not to drink my own Kool-Aid. Or for, in order for me not to be the bee's knees. So, so the purpose of what we're about to read, right, is what? Is, is humbling. Okay, that's, that's a good thing, okay? In order for that, I was given, say given, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to watch, to what? To torment me. Yikes. Whoa, hold up here. I was given a messenger of Satan. This is, this is interesting for us as believers, right? I was given something that was a messenger or an attack by Satan. How does this work? I, is, is everything that goes wrong in my life, whether insults, persecutions, hardships, difficulties, whatever they are, I, I thought that was just simply Satan attacking me. But what we see, if we really, really read this scripture and really take apart this, is that we were, he was given this, a messenger of Satan, for what? So that he might not, what? Be conceited. So yes, this, this, this thorn in the flesh that Paul's talking about right here, yes, this is a satanic attack. And yes, it was, watch, given by God. How can that be? Well, I can tell you right now, it, it, if, if you look at the purpose behind it, which we already talked about, was the idea so that he wouldn't be conceited, we could really figure out right away that that's, there's no way that would be a satanic attack because Satan's whole plan from the very beginning of Scripture is what? Hey, if you eat that apple or whatever piece of fruit that is, what? You will become like God. So the deception of Satan is not for you and me to become humble. It's always for you and me to what? Elevate ourselves. So there's no way the purpose of this messenger of Satan or the satanic attack, this, this difficulty that one of us is going through as a believer, that's the purpose of it is not that we would elevate ourselves. And so it can't simply be a satanic attack. It was given by the Lord. Some of you are struggling with that, right? But I want you to understand that the goal of your life is your sanctification. The goal of your life is for others to see your Lord and Savior, work through you. Everybody with me on that? God's end game for you is not to fall when these thorns come. It's to be risen by his power and his strength in you, right? Let's keep going on this. Uh, I think we're, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, and we'll go to the next one. Verse nine, uh, the, the first part of that. And, but he said to me, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made, oh, there's that word, perfect. My power, my power, God's power is made perfect in your what? My weakness. Now that is a mind trip. How's that possible? We're gonna, we're gonna go over it. But, but the one thing I will say as we're, as we're kind of letting this unfold here is, is if you want to claim something, you know, there's, there's a movement and it's been around for a while for naming and claiming promises. And, and, and in fact, naming and claiming things that aren't promises, that are twisted scripture. Well, if you go back to that for just one second, Tammy, here's something that you can claim, that his grace is sufficient for you amidst a trial. 
if you walk out of here and that's the only thing you hear today is this, hey, when I go through it, he's got grace that's enough for it. Like his grace doesn't fall short of what? Of my trial. Everybody with me there? His power, his power, his power, omniscient, perfect power. It's made perfect in our weakness. And as, our, as we as a culture are having robots literally um, perform surgeries, as we're authorizing regular citizens to go to space and having living things cloned and having every single physical need of ours able to just be met with the touch of a button, I have to admit, I, I believe that we, we as Christians, not just culture, we as Christians, we as Christians are forgetting essential truths in the word. And at the top of that list, I believe, we're forgetting this, that his power is needed for you to exist. Okay? Let me show you to, show it to you. John chapter 15 and verse four through five, right? Abide in me, and I abide, what? In you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Meaning this, you and me, no matter how long you've been in ministry, known the Lord, how much money you have, what you drive, your ability to physically have strength, you have no power in yourself to do anything unless he gives it to you. Are you getting that, right? So to take the dog, the dog on a walk, that, that he empowered that. What? I have had three weeks lately of some weird physical things that I've never gone through, some just strange occurrences. A few weeks ago, I was on a golf cart with my wife and the Atkinsons over there, and I was holding some stuff from a beach, uh, from the beach. We were coming up from the beach, and my wife decided to stop arbitrarily, and it threw me off the golf cart and completely ripped my, my nail from my toe. I mean, completely. And if you've never had that happen, you know, like when people say, oh, I got my toe, you know, my toe came off, my toenail came off. No, I'm literally, the nail was on the street and I was bleeding out, right? Okay. What's the matter? Enough. All right. So that happened. Just, just last week at this time, I, 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 some of you saw me, I had an eye patch on my right eye. I had something called blepharitis. What is that? That sounds like something deadly, right? I, I didn't have the use of my eye. And, and so I, I've been maimed a little bit right here. And guess who I need when I've been maimed like that? Man, my, thank God for my wife who's just, man, she's done some things that, that I would normally do. And you know what that does to me? It makes me humble. I, I mean, of course I would say I need her, but... If I'm being totally honest, the back of my mind's like, I got this. And then all of a sudden, I don't have a toenail and my eye is like falling out. And I'm like, thank God for my wife. In order for me to, from getting conceited, meaning this is a valuable thing. Because the enemy of your sanctification is this, I've arrived. A messenger of Satan was given, given to me given to me. Yet his power is made perfect in our weakness. Look at the, the back end of this in 9, verse, uh, the back end of 9, uh, 9b. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the next, ver the next part says this, uh, 9b. We'll come back to it. 
I, I, I did a lot of different things. Yeah, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that cause and effect, I'll boast about my weaknesses, my hardships, so that what? His power may rest on me. I'm hoping this is changing how you look at this verse. Well, what do these look like? Well, Paul get, talks about them a little more. He, he says some of them are insults. Some of them are hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Does that look like illness? Yep. Does that look like loss? Yep. Being dumped by a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Yep. Being fired? Possibly. The attack of an enemy, uh, backstabbed, emotionally upset. I heard somebody in this room got their car caught on fire the other day. You needed to get rid of that car, by the way, Dave. <laughs> Watch. All these weaknesses is anything that brings you to your knees and says, Lord, may your power rest upon me. Okay. Lord, may your power rest upon me. Now, some of you are saying, I don't like this teaching. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. Justin, would you just, just take some time and tell us to get, how to get out of this season that we're in? And my response to you is then, if I tell you that, then you tell me how to go outside and make it not 115 degrees. <laughs> Seasons we do not control. Seasons we do not control. So what happens, and this is the reason why I wanted to come with this word, is that what drives me nuts is that so many times then Christians spend their energy, their heart, their um, um, just amount of time trying to escape the sanctification process that's going on. Like, right? Like, imagine just, I, I've said this before, like hitting a door and trying to get it to get open. That's not supposed to be open at this time. Like the energy spent in that is deflating. But the Lord is doing something as his power is being made perfect in your weakness. Right? We tell one another, hey, if it's painful, run. Run away. That, that's not what I'm reading here. And then not only that, we want to find a place where we can put the blame on things. And this is happening, okay, let me, I, I, I can't navigate this emotionally, so let me at least find a place that I can put all the blame of why this is happening, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Let me show you something that Jesus directly said. Again, it flies in the face of some of the teaching that we receive in church. This is out of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Some of you have seen this before, but it's, it's really amazing. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, his disciples asked him, because they weren't God, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus looked at him and said, uh-uh, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but watch this next part. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Ooh, because we got to find a place to have for this angst. 
Like when we have that angst, right? It's like, dude, I just need to, I at least need to know what's going on here and I can handle it. And Jesus said, no, no, there's no one that's sinned. There's no one that's messed up. There's no one that's freaked out. It's that my power might reside upon him. By the way, he heals him later in that chapter. And the glory of God is displayed on him. The glory of God can be displayed on you amidst anything, both victory and both challenge. Everybody with me? Right? I believe that your, your, your struggle um, is, a, is a canvas for his mercy, for his, his power to be magnified. That's the reason why Paul says, I'm going to boast on this. I'm going to boast on this weakness. I'm going to boast on this thing that I've been trying to beat for a long time because his power is working in me. Right? Some of us as Christians, we, 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 we struggle with something maybe for a long time sin-wise. And we're just, oh, here I am. Man, I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's like, dude, why don't you put your shoulders back, put your head up high and know that his power is working through you and you're not a finished product. Amen. Dang, if you would have known my thoughts yesterday afternoon, you would have thrown tomatoes at me this morning. But I'm up here not by me, not because I've got talent of this. It's because his power works in me and I can speak his word. Amen. You get it, right? Yeah. We like, we like, we, it's, 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 you, you can't put God in this finite box, guys. Okay? It's quite the opposite of present day teaching. And so it made me think something very, very interesting, right? If not for trial, and, and hear this, okay, hear the heart of this. If not for trial or hardship or insult or persecution, does Jesus regularly, regularly get seen? Meaning this verse, um, and I believe that all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a verse we say all the time. But we don't say it unless we're going through something, right? We don't say, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Greater is he, 1 John 4, 4. He that is in me than he's that in the world. We don't say that unless what? We're going through it. So, so without trial, without hardship... Does he get seen regularly? They're not unveiled without thorns. It's not unveiled without trial, without fail. But our culture, and it does, man, in Christian circles, which grinds my gears like crazy, promotes this false bravado. Hey, brother, oh, bless you today. You've heard me say it. I'm the head and not the tail. It's like, dude, it's okay that you're going through it. Let me join you and join the faith that his power is going to be resting upon you. Not the false bravado. Not the mask wearing. I can't stand that stuff. Man, I love, I love the depiction of Peter in The Chosen. Uh, I, for those that have seen it, you probably agree with me. It's just, he personifies what I see not only in his letters, but also like in the narrative, in the gospel stories, Right? And so let's read this and, and kind of come in for a landing here. Luke 5, chapter 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. 
okay? I want to stop real quick. Um, uh, actually, go to the next one, please. Sorry, thank you. He saw at water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who are washing their nets. They're done for the morning. They're done for the night. Um, the backstory of this, just so you know, this is not the first time Peter's seen Jesus. In verse 38 of chapter 4, Jesus comes to Peter's mother-in-law's house and heals her. So Peter is very familiar with Jesus. We don't, excuse me, we don't have a more backstory of it other than that, but, but this is not the first time that, G, uh, that Jesus and Peter have interacted. No way, okay? So I want to show you this because everybody's got a little bit of something, something in them, a little bit of pride going in them, okay? And we're going to see how this un, 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 un go, uh, unleashes here. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. By the way, thanks for this, whoever set this up. I have such a terrible habit of looking this way. So this is actually all set up for me with the next verse, and I just left that be go. Anyway, <laughs> he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon or Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. You guys know this story. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I'll go back to the chosen. I just love Peter in this part, right? He's just looking at Jesus like, dude, how about you do the preaching and the healing and I do the fishing? Right? Kind of like, get a life. Like, let, let the guys have something, Right? Because Jesus rolls up to him and says, hey, in the morning time when it's bright outside, go, and, go outside and do the whole thing again. And if any of you ever fish, you don't fish then. You fish at night, right? And they've already done that. And imagine cleaning these nets, right? So there's this whole little bit of a power struggle. And I think Peter, as he's angry a little bit, he's frustrated, salty, right? He looks at him and he's like, dude, okay, at your will, we'll go do this. And I don't, I can't say I know this, but I bet he turned around and said, this will be good. <laughs> yeah, right? And what, we know what happens. We've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Again, back to the chosen, if you remember it, they had kind of, um, I don't know, Hollywooded it up to where they caught so many fish. Like not only did they bring another boat, but it was more fish than they would catch in a whole year, right? So I just want you to think about that. Like whatever job you do, if Jesus showed up at your job and was just like, and I'm going to completely do everything for you for one year and you're gonna bonus out the wazoo and it's gonna provide for you completely. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, dude, yes, I love this guy, right? Not so for Peter. Not, listen, not so for Peter. How does this relate? Let's see. When they had done so, they caught such a large number. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Okay, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at, the, at Jesus' knees. And I want you to see this because it messes with me a little bit. Go away. Go away. I'm sinful. 
his first reaction wasn't, thank you so much, this is so rad, I'm going to go live high on the hog. He didn't slap five with anybody. He didn't say, Andrew, we got it done, baby. We've got, right? None of that. Like that would be the natural disposition for someone who just had their entire um, year taken care of. But instead, what happened? He gets down on his knees and says, get the heck out of here. You sovereign, don't come near me. Why is he saying that? Because he just had been shown up. Watch, because everything that Peter knew was one, one, one thing. And that is this, I know how to fish. I am good at this. I am great at this. This is my territory. This is my strength, my talent, and I'm bringing all of it here. And in one single instant, without even a word spoken, Jesus went, boop. And what did it do to him? It didn't inspire him. It crushed him. Because why? Because all of a sudden, in front of sovereign God, he looked like he was naked. He looked powerless. He didn't have anything to bring for the first time in his life. No Co- uh, no co- um, coercing, no talking around it, no fishing. He had nothing. He went out all night long. Nothing happened. And in one instant, Jesus went like this. And what it did to Peter was this. It showed him his weakness. And in the same instance, watch, it showed him God's power. God's power rests on those that are lowly of heart. This is valuable for you and me as we're going through insults, hardships, trials, persecutions. Jesus in a moment said, hey, stop, stop struggling. All of a sudden, Peter's self-reliance, look, come on, come on. You, you know what you, you, you are. You know the self-reliance that you've fallen into if you really look at your heart right now. Don't, don't just push this story off, y'all. In, in your weakness, he is strong. His grace is sufficient. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And here's what Jesus said. And you know this is the reason why this speaks so loudly along with 2 Corinthians. What does he say? For he and his companions were astonished at the fi- catch of fish they had taken. And so James and John sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Ain't a weird thing to say. Go away from me. Dude, you see me. And he's like, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. From now on, you're going to do what you can't do on your own. From now on, you're going to rely on my power only. And you're going to be persecuted and jailed and hung upside down. And guess what? It's going to be a good life. <laughs> because my power is going to rest on you. And by the way, shh, 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 I'm going to build a church on you. <clears throat> Can you imagine if you said, no, I just want to do my little fishing here. Because I can control this. This is the only thing I... And Jesus is like, psh, 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 psh. no, you can't do that, but you can do what I've created you to do. Why? Because I'm going to breathe my spirit into you. One of the most beautiful things, and I, I you know, I, I've been in ministry a long time, and, and, and some of you that have known me in here, I love, I love when God's power rests upon you. I love when you, uh, I think it's inspirational to me 
It's motivational when I see the miraculous work of God in your flaw, in your weakness, in your messed up. And when God just goes, let me just not exalt them, but let me do something through them so that my name is exalted. That is beautiful. It's so cool to totally see his spirit working in another. Closing up here, um, I went to a funeral of um, my really, really good brother, DeCoven and Donna, uh, DeCoven's Gillespie and his wife, Donna, Kay and I did. And uh, it was interesting. The funeral was in Los Angeles. It was for DeCoven's father. This is about a, I don't know, a year ago, or right? And um, man, there was just unbelievable preachers, right? Kristen and I were there and just like, wow, these people have been preaching. His, his father was a, a pastor for a long time in Los Angeles. And so he knew so many big star preachers coming in there. Anyway, make this quick. The last person to speak was sitting up on the stage. I'm thinking he was 90 years old, 90 years old. I said to my wife, please, Kogi, I haven't even told you this. I said to my wife in the middle of the service because the service was going long, I said, I don't know if that guy's gonna make it. <laughs> and I wasn't being weird. I, I like, he looked like sullen and just, sad, not just sad, like he didn't have anything. He was the last person to speak. He got up, and I'm not kidding you, he walked like this to the pulpit. And I was like, oh no not to close out the service. He put his hands right here and he opened his mouth and I have never experienced it. He, he started just preaching. The, he actually read scripture and his voice was like, oh! And the whole entire, the entire room changed. For about 20 minutes, this man of God, who I guess was a legend that I had never heard of, at 90 years old, preached and he preached fire. And anyone that was in that room that hadn't heard the Lord's name at, but did not walk away, walked away changed. And then as soon as he was done like this, let me show you, he shut his Bible and he went, right? Was that right? Was that right? And for me, it wasn't what he said. It was watching the spirit of God overwhelm him for what? Not his glory. He could care less for the glory of God. It was a miracle to watch a man frail at the end of his, at the back end of his life, be able to speak with such passion, with such conviction and impact so many. Why? Only through the grace of God. I get the chance every two weeks to go preach in the prison. It's my favorite thing I've ever done. No doubt about it. I love it. This week, I get to pick up one of the prisoners at six o'clock as he's getting out. I told my wife, I said, I'm 100% sure he's been in this program for 90 days. I'm 100% sure, and I told him last Tuesday, I said, he is going to be a pastor one day. His name's Fernando. And, and here's what's amazing. When I met him 90 days ago, um, uh, he, right away, I could see that, that God's grace was upon him. But, but I watched him over the time that we were there not just grow in the Lord, but I watched him go through hardships, insults, persecutions of the other person. I watched it in front of me and I watched how he responded. And in my mind, I don't know his backstory, but I just thought, that's not him. Right, like this guy is 
He is rough. He's tough. Like, you do not want to mess with Fernando, right? Any Fernando for that matter. But anyway, you, right? You just, <laughs> right? And, 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 and when I watched the interactions with the other people, it's so clear for me to go, he just handled that insult by turning the other cheek. That's not Fernando. That's Jesus in him. He just handled this hardship or this everybody else got food in the whole entire thing except him. He just didn't just handle that, that lack with a sullen. He handled that with joy. Who does that? Jesus does. I'm telling you, lean in. Lean in when it's hard. Lean in to difficulty because in that moment, he, watch, is that beautiful word, perfect. Amen? Don't let this message leave you. Go share it with somebody as you reflect in this song. Encounter your struggle right now. Don't try to run from it. And say, Lord, perfect me by laying your grace upon my life. Thank you, guys. Pastor Joe.